This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome listeners to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson. Joined with me today are Richard Marquez and Justin Ozer. Richard, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. We are recording this a little bit earlier in the morning than we're used to. So uh, top of the morning to ya. I, you know what? And I'm okay with that because I got a new Ninja coffee maker and I am a happy camper again. <laughs> <laughs> so you are ready and caffeinated up. Got it. <laughs> and Justin, how are you doing? Uh, doing great. Good to see you guys again. You were out last time and I snuck in Bruce and Dan from Literary Treks. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you've had a chance to listen to it, I know it's the holidays and we're busy and all that. But Yes. Well, talking about that episode, there was the best thread on the Babel Conference was that thread, Earl Grey 253, Pets of TNG. And we had so many listeners post pictures of their pets that have Star Trek names. So Justin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, and for this, you know, I posted uh, images in the outline. Listeners, if they haven't seen it, I'll have to go to the Babel Conference to see the images. But uh, Patrick Carlin said, I named the cat I got last year Narice. And he showed his sweet-looking little cat on top of a book <laughs> that's named Narice. And he also posted a, a video, apparently uh, his cat, kind of uses him like a tree when he comes home and just kind of crawls up 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 toward his face. <laughs> it's kind oh, of I know. It's so cute. Just rubbing on him. So, so yeah. cute. Yeah. And so people answered the call for their pets that are named after Star Trek characters. Uh, Susan uh, Williamson said, uh, both, uh, both of my Trek name pets have passed. My cat, Tribble, and my Great Dane, Khan. Oh, and she showed a picture of of her cat Tribble. Oh, Sorry. there's no dog. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't post a picture of the dog, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But that is a great name for a Great Dane. I mean, that's awesome. A Great Con. Dane named Con. Yes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> On a cat named Tribble. That's because cats are cute. I think yeah. they are. Ruby Elizabeth says, "My former kitty was named Maru. She went to the bridge last December fourth." My current girl is named Natima after Natima Lang. 
and she has just two Maru with those beautiful big brown eyes and Natima she is just precious on and she's on a cute little Christmas bed yeah sheet. these are great pictures <laughs> I love it I love cats so much so it's great to see too. all of these <laughs> So Chris Hill says, here's my dog, Charlie. I named him after Charlie Evans from Charlie X. I know it's TOS, but it still counts. And uh, posted a picture of a really cute dog. And uh, it doesn't matter that it's named after a character in the original series. It, it It's good. <laughs> I was looking for any pets named after Star Trek characters. And we got a dog, too, in addition to the several other cats. So... Yeah, thanks everyone for for posting that. It was wonderful to to see. I loved seeing all of your pictures of your Star Trek named pets. Yes, very adorable. And I don't think uh, many were uh, TNG. Uh, yeah. I mean, actually, there. So we have TOS, DS Nine, TOS, TOS, mm-hmm. <laughs> DS Nine. Yeah, you're right. None of them are actually <laughs> named after TNG characters. See, I was looking for, you know, the the cute little cat named Worf, but we didn't get that. Oh, well. (laughs) We also have an email that was sent to us, and we love getting your emails. So, Justin, why don't you read us that one from Scott Myers. Yeah, so he wrote to us about episode 250. That was the role-playing game uh, episode a few weeks back. We're just catching up on some email feedback here. And Scott wrote, wow, I did not expect three of my favorite things to come together. One Star Trek, two your podcast, and three tabletop role-playing games. But just like peanut butter and chocolate, I am glad it did. The new Star Trek RPG has been on my radar, but I have not checked it out in detail yet. I was glad to hear you guys play and give me a taste of the new mechanics. It sounds really fun. I understand that Amy and Justin were completely new to tabletop role-playing and that Richard was brand new to being a game master. I have to say, as a veteran player and GM for many years, each of you did great. For new players, the biggest hurdle is getting over the awkwardness of the idea of playing. Amy and Justin, I think you were wonderful. You were both proactive in speaking up, adding to the story, and coming up with solutions to problems. That is quite advanced for brand new players. I hope you truly had fun and that you continue playing tabletop RPGs, even if it's only in a private game. Players like yourselves only enhance the game and enjoyment for others at the table. To Richard, it's tough being a new GM. I was initially roped into it because nobody else would step up, so I know how it goes when it comes to first-time nervousness and uncertainty. But I can say this, the biggest measuring stick as to how good of a GM you are is if your players leave the table smiling, having a good time, and looking forward to the next session, and I think you aced all of that with flying colors. It's more important to facilitate the enjoyment of your players than it is to memorize every single little rule or craft the perfect story. Tabletop podcasts are gaining a lot of popularity these days, and I will say that if you three and maybe a couple of others decided to start up your own separate podcast dedicated to just playing the game that I would absolutely subscribe to it, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Regardless, I hope each of you had a good time, and as I mentioned earlier, I hope you continue to play whether we get to hear it or not. Thanks for yet another great episode, and thanks for taking a risk to come up with content that is a little outside of the box. Thanks so much, Scott, for, for that very kind and thoughtful email uh we appreciate all of your comments glad that amy and i did did well for new players and that uh, well we know richard did really well but it's nice to also hear the feedback from somebody else who's uh who's done that a lot so we were just so thrilled to to see your email and uh really appreciate it yeah it's 
I mean, hearing from someone that is, plays it and knows what it's supposed to be and and then says, yeah, you did okay. It's like, oh, good, you know, because I was so worried and and described, you know, sort of what I felt was the awkwardness of getting into it. But then once you do, it's okay. And you're right, Richard just ticked off all of those boxes. We definitely left with a smile on our face and we are wanting to play it again. So absolutely. Thank you so much, Scott, for that very wonderful and thoughtful email. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, for sure, since that email you sent us, um, I just want to let you know that uh, I've reconducted my second game already. All right. And it was without it was without Amy and, uh, and uh, Justin, uh, but it was a lot better the second time around. So the third time around, when we do it again on this show, <laughs> <laughs> um, it will definitely be a far more enriching uh, experience for everyone. So... Uh, brace yourself for another game. Nice. Definitely looking forward to it. Let's time travel to that right now. <laughs> Wait, no, because we have to do today's episode. Oh, that's right. That's right. We have to do today's first. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And guys, this episode was, this topic was designed for me. I just am so excited to get to today's topic, which is, drumroll, please, badass Troy moments. And as people know, if you listen at all, I love talking about Troy. And there definitely are so many picks to choose from. And so we will uh, share. We haven't shared with each other our picks previously, so it will be a surprise. And um, we will just go through our top three, and if there's any honorable mentions, we will get to those. If there's any honorable mentions, you have a bunch. <laughs> I <laughs> Okay, yeah, so when we get to our honorable <laughs> mentions. <laughs> All right, guys. So, um, Richard, let's start with you. And um, first of all, tell me, what did you think about this topic? Was it difficult for you to find material? And then give us one of your picks. No, there wasn't. It was a difficult. It was. Um, I so obviously it's it's the holiday season, so it was very difficult for me to do it. All, you know, in within a day. <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably the only reason. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of episodes throughout that you know we can pick and choose. So it, it's it's just trying to remember them was the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> And and searching and sifting through all the episodes, but um, so I'm gonna choose something that's outside of TNG, and I know that wasn't a role, so I'm just gonna create that now. Awesome, love it. <laughs> that's fine. Some of us may have thought that of that as well. Go did ahead. Did you? And did you go to Voyager? <laughs> of course, but yeah, let's okay. see which one you picked. <laughs> so obviously, it's Lifeline for me. Um, episode six, season twenty-four, Voyager, and I absolutely love the, how she in a sense manipulated the doctor <laughs> in order to get him to uh treat dr zimmerman who is dying from what was it some kind of some kind of disease i don't know i, I don't remember something or other i don't disease. remember the exact one yeah. yeah i don't think they even mentioned what exactly it was except for the symptoms and all that kind of stuff but anyway the doctor is needed because you know he has bork technology medical treatment and all that kind of stuff and 
Yeah, um, basically, they uh, Reg and Troy corrupt uh, the Doctor's file um, to basically generate some sympathy with Doctor Zimmerman, and he's the only one that's able to fix him. And I absolutely love that she was behind the whole entire thing, and you, you really don't get to see her like being deceptive like that. But I mean, it it worked out really well because obviously they got the result that they wanted to. So great! Pick. I thought it was great. Yeah, and I've seen those Voyager episodes because To The Journey had me on when they were talking about Troy. So I was very happy to see those and explore her character beyond Next Gen. So great pick. Thanks. (laughs) And Justin, was that your pick? It was not. Well, let me me just say first that... um, you know, I, I I actually had a lot of fun with this because I think Troy is very much an underappreciated character and does have lots of of moments that we could call badass or where she's really doing <clears throat> uh, doing something that's kind of tough and uncompromising. And so it wasn't difficult for me. The difficulty was just narrowing it, like which are my top three, which are the honorable mentions, which are the more obvious ones you guys might choose or whatever. So. All right, Richard, since you chose a Voyager one first, I'll put my Voyager one first. <laughs> Sorry, Amy, if this take, may take your one. but well, I, I just didn't want anyone to take it, that's all. There you <laughs> okay. go. Yeah. yeah, I don't want anyone to take this one either. So <laughs> it comes from one of the other episodes, which is Inside Man, uh, which is the Voyager episode where basically the Ferengi are manipulating the communications that are taking place between Starfleet Command and Voyager and the Delta Quadrant because they basically want to get sevens nanoprobes and sell them Uh, so in the midst of that they're really trying to figure out like what's going on here what's the connection um and and you see troy in this scene with with an admiral and with this woman who is kind of pretending to be um barclay's girlfriend in order to be a spy for the ferengi and get information and they're pretty much aren't aren't getting anywhere and i just want to read out the scene because i just love kind of how it progresses Uh, So Troy says, with the Admiral's permission, I'd like a moment alone with Leosa, who's the woman who was basically pretending to be um, Barclay's girlfriend. And Admiral Paris says, I don't think therapy is what this woman needs, counselor, which I think is interesting because people are thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, she's just all about therapy. But, you know, she has all of this Starfleet training and all of this experience because by this time, you know, we've seen her on screen in seven seasons of TNG, several movies over the course of like 13 years. So she's more than that. I think we know. And Troy says, five minutes, Admiral. And Admiral Paris just says, five minutes. So then Paris and his aide leave. um, And then Troy is is talking to this woman. Basically, an interrogation, which we don't really see Troy doing very much. And she says, did you know I'm a Betazoid? I'm empathic, which means I know when people are lying. Tell me, what's the longest you've ever been incarcerated? And Leosa says, you can't send me to prison, counselor. I didn't do anything wrong. And Troy says, maybe not. But I can order you held for psychiatric observation, extended observation. And Leosa says, I may not be a Betazoid, but I work a Dabo table and I know when somebody's bluffing. And then there's this moment where Troy kind of leans forward and she says, try me. Yes. And then just a couple minutes later, you know, Troy has the information, you know, Frankie stole Reg's hologram. Here's the ship and we're going to find it. So. I just love that because it's something you don't expect. And it's something I think that you have to build up to the character at this point. I don't know if you could, like, an encounter at Farpoint, it would make sense because you don't know who she is really. But I just love that. She's just using 
uh, all of her talents in order for this really important kind of information gathering or interrogation and just love it. Had to, had to pick it. That is a great moment. I totally forgot about that one. And as you were describing the scene, I was totally going through my mind. Great, great pick. It was actually one of the first that I thought of before, even before TNG. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just thinking, uh, playing against Troy in any game would actually not be fair. Because, especially in poker, I mean, if you're lying, then... Okay. You know what I mean? well, like, it means it means you have to be be good at at, at bluffing and and put forward some feelings <laughs> like that false. would that would indicate yeah. that you're. I yeah, know, but I'll, I, I'll, I'll bet I'll yeah. bet Riker has gotten really good at that when he because he he sits down there and he's playing with with Troy for for poker sometimes, so he's got to get really good at <laughs> doing that. Yeah, let's I don't talk know if he could. That. I don't. I don't know if he could pull that. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, yes, she can't read minds, but then again, you know, if she can, if she could feel that someone's lying, like a like a human lying detector. The, the, I take it to mean would, she can tell if someone's lying if they can't cover it over, like if they're not good at at really believing the lie. You know what I mean? Because you could put yeah. forward a feeling like you believe this lie, and it could come across as telling the truth. But I think this person that she's interrogating isn't all that experienced and just can't cover it, I think. Yeah, so talking about the poker, I mean, <laughs> so you've got Troy who can, yeah, read emotions and feelings and when people are lying. You have Jordy who can see through the cards. You have Data who can count the cards. Yeah. You know, it's like, how does Riker, Riker ever win? Still winning? What is up? <laughs> oh, that's great. I never even thought about him counting cards and seeing through cards. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah well, like, you know, they're, 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 they they're choosing not poker? to use that, I guess. I mean, because yeah. Jordy does say at one point, like, I can see through the cards, but I don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, or when Data is shuffling, he's like, I promise these are randomly shuffled, you know? <laughs> Man, that, that's just like a, that, that's a, a whole entire table of bad things. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, especially so, when it comes to poker. So I guess, I guess Worf and Riker are the only ones that, uh, that right, don't have who advantages truly, like that. Yeah, hmm. our guests are hmm. at a disadvantage, well. Yeah. I would hate to be at that. Maybe that's people, maybe that's why Picard doesn't join until all good things. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, because <laughs> he doesn't want to get cheated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, a great pick, and I'm going to um, say that when I was choosing my list, um, I just I want to sort of change what the definition of badass is, because usually you think it's you know, the action and the saving the day. And I think when I look at a badass moment, like you were saying, like when Troy is using her skills and doing her job the best of her ability is head and shoulders above anyone else, well, in my opinion. So um, going along with her doing her job, um, I wanted to bring out uh, Ensigns of Command. That was a season three, episode two. And she's actually like using her skills as like the psychologist scientist. And she's trying to describe this complex language of the Sheliak, if you remember. And when she's talking to Picard in his ready room, um, just wanted to read a little excerpt. Says uh, Troy says, actually, the fact that any alien race communicates with another is quite remarkable. We are stranded on a planet. We have no language in common, but I want to teach you mine. She holds up a cup of tea. Samarith, what did I just say? Picard says, cup, 
glass, and Troy says, are you sure? I may have meant liquid, clear, brown, hot. We conceptualize the universe in relatively the same way. Picard says, point taken. And she uses um, also those her amazing communication skills also in Season 5, Episode 2, Darmok, when she's explaining about the Romeo and Juliet on the balcony, how that describes the scene of love. But without that context, context, they are just words. And I just love that she has this amazing knowledge of the social sciences. Her communication is just amazing, and she's able to explain the process and really, I think, uh, play an important role in both of those episodes. And her doing her job, um, and again, not the typical therapist way, but still as a counselor, you know, and explaining the languages that way, I think is truly badass. And so I am highlighting, and I sort of push those two episodes together as one. <laughs> no, that, that's really great, because I think oftentimes we think of, of Troy as she's empathic, she reads feelings, she has counseling sessions, she talks to people about what they're going through. But what you're talking about also is understanding the nature of communication and what it takes for two groups who may not understand the language to communicate with each other. And we don't often think of her in terms of that context. We, we might more often you know, think of somebody who is actually the communications officer, maybe like an Uhura or a Sato or something like that, that really that's focused on what their job is. But, but it's important for Troy as well, because she must have to deal with all kinds of different species in her her line of work and really understanding how that works. And I'm glad you brought up Darmok because when I was thinking about that for instance of command, she's giving him information that's actually useful in that in Darmok later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how do you communicate or how do you come up with a common point of reference which she has to struggle through in that episode. So yeah, that's a that's a great pick. And I think it it's something that goes deeper and maybe a little beyond what is strictly necessary for her job, but is really important because her job really is communication, right? And interpreting yeah, others' exactly. communication. Yeah. yeah. All right, Richard, give us your second pick. So, <laughs> so okay, um, I guess I'm grouping, I, I, I'm, but uh, I, I guess um, one, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm grouping. So pretty much anytime, anytime Troy has to deal with her mother, um. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me retract that. Anytime she has to cope with her mother, ah. <laughs> um, it's it's just it's hilarious. And on top of that, I can only imagine what it feels like to have an or uh, you know, I don't want to say overbearing. I guess I guess overbearing is probably the most uh, descriptive and accurate. But like, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> but like I could—I I mean, I—I I personally don't have that kind of relationship with my parents, so I'm actually thankful. But I can only imagine what that feels like. But like, um, I chose—I mean, obviously, there's there's tons of episodes where we could we could go off of. But I went I I would the one I was specifically thinking is uh, Menage Troy, uh, season three, episode twenty-four, and. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just great on how you know she she's right. They're all in ten four. She's like we're in we're in the non telepathic room. Uh, you know, it's more polite to talk out loud. And you know, obviously, she's said that several times to her before. Actually, I think there's two other uh, mentions of it, but I don't mm-hmm. remember the episodes. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just it's just amazing. And then of course, you know, obviously they get in trouble with the you know they get kidnapped by the Frankie and you know that whole um 
mother daughter sort of like bickering relationship ends and then the, you know they're they're trying to you know you uh trying to get out of there so it, it's just it's just uh, i can only imagine what it feels like to to be that kind of person that has to deal with it. especially if you're a telepath and um you can hear and you can't like block that out. Your mother you know? can literally get inside <laughs> your head, right? Exactly. Literally, yes. <laughs> so if she can't if she can't block that out, it's like, oh man, I can only imagine how annoyed I would be. And of course, you know, she's probably a, she could probably sense that she's annoyed, just like, you know, anyone else. But yeah, her face and her body language is everything. Mm-hmm. And Deanna's <laughs> so. grown up with that, but she still is annoyed by it. <laughs> Cause how could you get used to that? But could you imagine that as a child? I mean, you would never be able to do anything on your own, you know? Like I think that's true. But I mean, if if you are kind of raised that way and that's how things are, maybe you could deal with it or I don't know. But yeah. for, for us, it's hard to imagine because that doesn't happen. <laughs> your parent can't literally get in your head and read your thoughts and put their own thoughts inside your head. Thankfully. I mean, <laughs> it's, and, you know, it, it, I always think of it like, okay, this is a Goldberg uh, reference, but like I always think of Smother. Mother, smother. Oh, sorry, I haven't seen mother that smothers. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. uh-huh. So it's just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I yeah, feel I stressed think, out just for her. <laughs> I think she she does really well with that because she's not like overwhelmed or crippled by it. Well, when her mother's there, but she's just gonna like do the best she can and <laughs> and try to deal with it. So and push back when she needs to. Yeah. But I think that's a great pick because, you know, even in that episode and in other episodes where Luwaxana is on, it's like, yeah, you can see the frustration, but in the end, Deanna is always there for Luwaxana. You know, like Mm -hmm. when they're in the Ferengi and, you know, they're comforting each other, like they are there for each other. I just recently watched, and I do apologize, the name's just uh, forgetting me, um, the one at the end of the season where she finds out she had a sister. Oh, Dark Page. Oh, Dark Page. Yeah, Dark Page. Yeah. Um, I just recently saw that. And just, again, I love that for Luwaxana, but I love that Troy is with her mother every step of the way. And you can just see their relationship. And we've talked about it before, but it is truly a great character moment for Troy whenever Luoxana comes on because number one, it's hilarious, but number two, you know that she's going to stick by her mother and do whatever she can to help her. So great, great pick. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Justin, give us your second pick. Well, for my second pick and my first in TNG, uh, I'm going to pick a moment from Timescape. Now that's the episode in season six where you have... I think it's Picard, Troy, Jordy, Data. They've gone on some conference or something, and they're coming back, and they see that the Enterprise is kind of frozen in battle with uh, with the Romulan ship, and they have to kind of try to figure what's going on. So they you know, go through seeing what's going on in the Enterprise, and then they have to go to the Romulan ship, and they're in engineering, and I think the the viewer might know, but maybe they, they don't know yet that that there is someone who actually isn't frozen <laughs> and basically this this person who it turns out later is part of these aliens inside their warp core um so Jordy is there and he's like hold on something's not right here data was this man standing here always and then this bromulan looking figure comes out and grabs Jordy. there's like a flash and Jordy starts convulsing on the ground right so so troy figures out that 
that he's in neural shock. I guess she has a medical tricorder or something like that. And Data says we must get him to the runabout. Troy says there isn't time, he's dying. And she immediately takes his armband off, which isolates him in the time frame. And, and, and she just makes that really quick snap decision. And she says, at least this way, he'll be alive in the other time frame. We might have a chance to save him later. So that's like a really quick decision. And someone else might be like, okay, well, Data is the smartest person in the room. Let's take him to the runabout. But Troy makes this decision like, that's not going to work. Uh, the okay, we need to do something desperate. So let me take off the, his his uh, armband, and that'll freeze him in that time period, so that maybe we can we can come back and save him later. So I think like, and it really struck me the last time I saw the episode, like wow, that is like a really quick, amazing decision that she makes, and very badass because it's it's like you're kind of risking his life because maybe going another way would save his life. Maybe this one, in the end, will will kill him. But she's like, okay, we got to freeze this in place and and keep it that way. So I just I just love that moment and that she does that and even goes against what Data is, is saying needs to be done. So, yeah. What do you that think? That is great. Yeah, that quick decision-making and, of course, being right. But, yeah, that is really good. I had totally forgotten about that. Great pick, Justin. Yeah, it, it really struck me then that it's Troy that's, that's doing that. And she... I don't know. I don't know if it's if the advantage she has over data in this situation is she can read Jordy and his emotions and she's like, these emotions say that it's really bad and he's near death. Yeah. <laughs> so he's gonna be let dying. me just yeah. take that off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that moment a lot. Yep. It's all good. All right. Well, um, listeners, I think by now you can tell we're sort of uh, finding less obvious moments and I have another one to add to the list. However, I did talk a quite a bit about it when we did the episode review of Loud as a Whisper and that is season 2 episode 5. And you guys probably knew that I was going to choose this one, but I absolutely well I love this episode and in part because of Troy's part in this episode. And when Reva loses his chorus and still they need to, you know, find uh, common ground between the two warring factions on this planet. And Reva is just not willing. He's too devastated and overcome that he's lost his chorus and he can't communicate. So again, going along with his communication, I think we're seeing a lot of that with Troy. And she just speaks so candidly honest, but with passion and conviction, and just tells Reva, you have to turn this disadvantage into an advantage. Um, basically, using what you have to your benefit, no matter how difficult it is. I mean, and she even steps up and goes as far to say, I will do it. I mean, she's not um, going to just sit back and see these two warring factions continue to war like lives are at stake and she is willing to put herself in potential danger and I think that is so badass for someone to do that she understands the mission and she understands the danger and she is still going to persist and even when Reva tells her you can't do it she is still willing to do it and I think about times in my life where I've wanted to you know, do something. And I've had people tell me straight out, well, you can't do that. Like, I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not, I don't have the capabilities or whatever. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm still going to do it because that's, you know, what I felt I needed to do. 
And I just love Troy's persistence here. And Reva, she's able to, you know, change his mind and he ends up going down and, you know, turning that disadvantage into an advantage and gets the uh, warring factions to communicate um, to each other. And I just, I love, love, love that part about Troy. Yeah, I mean, that we yeah, we did talk about it in the episode where we discussed Loud as a Whisper, but that is, it's really great what she what she does, and she really turns things around, and I think there's so much wisdom in that turning disadvantage into advantage that uh, I, I just love that part of it, and that's what gets things going, and you're right, Troy is willing to risk herself. She's like, there are these people that have been warring for so long, and people are still fighting and dying, and I want to see what I can do to affect that, so if you're not going to do it, I'm going to risk myself and do it because it's really important. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. And yeah, we've talked before. I love that episode so much. And it is interesting. You're picking up on these communication aspects of Troy because I hadn't thought of those kinds of moments. Yeah, yeah I didn't either. I wasn't, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The ones for me so far are like interrogation and ripping off somebody's armband to save their life. So <laughs> it's a little different, <laughs> but Troy has this, ability to do all of those different things which i think is can be underappreciated because she didn't get to do that enough i think okay our last round oh i don't want this to end so richard give us your third pick well we could just leave the room and you could just keep talking and <laughs> talking, just keep and on talking, talking if you want <laughs> Keep Two talking hours and talking later. <laughs> in one long, unbroken sentence. No, <laughs> it's not like that at all, Amy. <laughs> okay, thanks. I don't know there, Justin. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, think ju- I think Amy could do that, actually. <laughs> yeah, but she would make it sound a lot more interesting than that uh, lecture Picard was talking about. Anyway, your pick. <laughs> mm. So um, I chose an obvious, and but the reason why I chose it was because I really wished we see this more often. Because it's a great idea, and that would be the Eye of the Beholder. So, Season 7, Episode 18. So, obviously, if you haven't seen the episode, it's basically... I I would say it's a crime scene, sort of like, or maybe a detective court sort of story. Kind of. Something like that. Trying to figure out what's going on. something like that. I mean, it's basically uh, trying to figure out the suicide, uh, some kind of, uh, you know... Try to figure out what happened and, every, and whatnot. A crew member uh, commits suicide mm-hmm. by jumping into a plasma, whatever conduit field, yeah. whatever conduit. There you go. So it, I love the concept of of her going through it. You know, in the eyes of uh, funny enough, the eye the of beholder. the beholder. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I really love that concept. That you know. If we just saw that maybe once every season or something like that, or maybe once every other season, I think that would be very interesting for her to, or for us to see something on her end, on how she sees and what she can basically do. I mean, it's just it's just a very intriguing story uh, of her, tra- or, or basically, in a sense, reliving the situation and ultimately getting caught up um, through her experiences. So... It's it's just a fantastic story. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah, we really get to see a different side of her empathic abilities because of that episode. Yeah, great pick. I totally forgot that when you said Eye of the Beholder. I'm like, huh, 
Why did I not have that on my list? So, so uh-huh. um, yeah. So, so, so let me ask this question, Richard. So, what is it about it that that you like the most about what what Troy's doing? Is it her like navigating this difficult situation, or in her mind, or something else? No, it's just it's. I, I love detective stories. I really do. I mean, I love the whole um, the premise of of her trying to figure out what's going on. That's really that's really um, what I really love about okay. it. And um, it's just. I mean, it's a it's a different point of view. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's different from you know, um, what we would normally see on a Star Trek episode, which is you know they try to figure it out. But I mean, this is something that she you know you don't really try to figure out until like you know something that happened in the past, and you know there's nothing really to you know in a sense fix back then. You just try to figure out what's going on, and I lo- and I love those kind of stories. Okay, so so it's really the the aspect that's the mystery or the detective story. Not that uh, in her mind she's jealous of Worf and kills him every season in her mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. A woman scorned, she does say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think it is really good. And I think that's an underappreciated episode that's I think is really compelling what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin, your third and final pick. So for my third pick, and I guess because you guys are saying like season numbers and episode numbers i'll do that for this one best of both worlds part one season three episode 26 so what i like in in that episode i mean of course it's really about the confrontation with the borg and picard getting assimilated etc but there's one particular scene that i i really love for for troy's involvement where they're going to have to figure out how to try to disable the the Borg ship so that they don't catch up to them or they can try to get Picard back or whatever. Um, And so Riker says, I'm leading an away team over there to get the captain back. We'll find a way to bring them out of warp. Ensign Crusher, you can continue to assist Mr. LaForge. Commander Shelby, you'll take the bridge and coordinate with Starfleet. Data, Worf, Doctor, you're with me. And then Shelby starts to say, excuse me, sir, with my knowledge of the Borg. And then Riker interrupts, those are my my orders, Commander. And then Troy comes up to him on the bridge and says, Commander Riker, it is inappropriate for you to lead the away team. Until the return of Captain Picard, you are in command of the Enterprise. We're in a state of war, and your place is on the bridge. So reminding him of where his his place is. And then Riker kind of takes a moment, digests that, and says, Commander Shelby, you'll lead the away team. Make it so. So he changes his mind there. And then at the end of that scene, he goes and sits in, in the, the center seat on the bridge and kind of gives... Troy, this unhappy look like, I really need to be there to get Captain Picard, but you're right. And I'm not happy that you're right about it. But I mean, I think part of what plays into it is their past relationship. But it's but it's also that Troy is going to stand up even when someone is in command, is sort of commanding officer is, is saying, this is exactly what we need to do. And I need to go over there for her to just kind of step forward and say, no, that's not appropriate. Here's why. And I think that's it's it's a great moment where where she really like stands up to him and and what he's he's trying to do because it's important for him to stay there. So, what do you think? Yeah, I like that um, of her reminding her uh, him basically of his new role. Um, yeah, because <laughs> now that he's acting captain. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously she's uh, she's the captain's conscience. Yeah, well, whatever. So anyway, but that. like yeah. advisor. There you go, advisor. So you know, and to to actually, uh, you know, switch that. I mean, it's a it's a different role for her too that she has to get used to as well. That she's switching from 
you know, being Captain Picard's to, in a sense, Captain Riker, um, um, advisor on what she, what he should do in order to save Captain Picard. So, or, yeah. you know, complete the mission. So that, yeah, that's a great pick. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, it also makes me wonder, like, what would have happened if, if Picard was killed and Riker was the captain and Troy was kind of this counselor for Riker giving him advice going forward. You see that from time to time where Riker's having some difficulty and she talks it over with Troy, but to see that more often, I think would have been interesting. So great pick, Justin. And I actually have it on my list too, but I chose it for a different reason. Okay. Now, was this going to be your third one or an no. honorable mention? No, okay. we're, I'm just saying a it's great It's just pick. on your list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just wants to keep talking about Troy. That's yeah, all. <laughs> that's why it's not counting as anything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this will be our first three-hour episode of Roll Grey to talk about Troy. <laughs> no, so again, great pick, but I chose it because I think it's totally badass, their relationship um, between Riker and Troy, and that she's able to speak to Riker both in a personal and professional that we see throughout the season, you know, cause we know they've got their things, you know, from season one, you know, they've had this past relationship and they move in and out, um, together being in and, you know, together and not together and stuff like that. But at that moment, and she starts with commander Riker. So she's already setting the tone that this is definitely a very professional. Should she have called him captain Riker at that point? No, I, uh, well, maybe, maybe not. He's not officially a, a yeah. captain yeah. yet, I guess. It wasn't but. until part two that right. he was promoted. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so yeah, she, she calls out his title, right? Yeah, and so that sets the tone of the conversation, and, like, they are able to move in between that professional and personal relationship so well. I mean, and it's a credit to Riker, too, but pretty darn badass that they can, you know, work in a professional setting and still have that relationship and you're right when she you know says your place is on the bridge and he you can just see in Riker it's like oh she's right you know and you're right that look that he gives her um it, it just yeah she stands up to him um but I love the interplay between the relationship the history that they have that they can go in between uh, so well and so effortless, effortlessly um, that they can have this mature relationship that they're able to work together is is awesome. Yeah, it's a really good point because they, over the course of the series and the movies, they kind of go back and forth between you seeing them in personal moments and then in professional moments kind of back and forth. And I know I bring up the novels a lot, but one of the things I love is the Titan novels where you get to see Riker in command of a ship and then Troy is there as well as the counselor, and they also have to navigate like this personal and professional thing. So I, I, I like seeing that. I kind of wish we would have seen more of that in in the series and, and the movies. But yeah, they, I think they, they usually balance it pretty well. Yeah. And I, I don't know if any of you guys have had, you know, relationships at work, and it's it's difficult. I have not, but it's... <laughs> it, from what I've seen, it seems difficult to navigate that. <laughs> yes, it is. Best advice, don't do it. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked it. for Troy and Riker. It did. Yeah, I don't care. It, it, I it, know, it's it, fiction. Don't do it. <laughs> bad idea. Bad, bad. Mm. <laughs> All right, now we're going to hear from listeners who are like, but I met the love of my life at work. Yep. <laughs> I don't care. Bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Have you fight that out with Richard. <laughs> 
But I, you know, I I actually have more to add on to that, but I know that's going to add a Pandora box to um of Troy for Amy. So I'm just going <laughs> to okay. refrain from that and we're going to keep on going. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, for my third and final pick, I thought I would choose a very obvious one. Um and that is thine own self and this is season seven again i can't believe it's season seven i was looking for it and i'm like what's well, gotta be in season five and oh yeah. not till the very end where she becomes commander and decides to uh take the test and become full commander um what i love about this is that she is continuing her education and career and it's just the best example to everyone and, and women in particular, um, I think she understands that she has deficiencies in the realm of quote unquote hard sciences versus social sciences. I mean, she's definitely in her element in the social sciences of psychology and communication, as we've discussed, but uh, you know, even when she confronts Riker and she's like, you think I can't do it, this engineering, because that's a hard science and that's not where her studies are, or her strengths are, but she is moving forward. And it just really reminds me uh, of myself and and I look to her as an example and, and just sort of, uh, you know, just... Something to push me forward um, and say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And uh, recently I've been trying to become this national board certified teacher. And it has been very difficult because my training is in math. But to get this national board certified teacher, you have to write. And writing is not my forte, um, but I still decided to go after it. I get my results, in fact, uh, coming up December 1st, so I'm hoping that I will pass, um, just as Troy passes and gets her command uh, in the program there. So I I just love this episode. I wish that it wasn't the B-plot, because I think there's so much to explore here with her character, but I, I think it is truly badass for her to go after something that isn't in her natural wheelhouse and strength yeah and i know we've talked about that episode and that command test a few times before but i i, I do like it and it, it shows in a different light because they could have made this this uh decision maybe that i don't know there's some further counselor testing or something more advanced or some track that she could go on but it, it specifically has to do with with command and you know i i think actually yeah, Troy could have been better used sometimes, but I think some of the things that we're finding is she, I think, would be really good in a command position that, that kind of gets built up over the years. I think she would be a good captain, actually. Uh, and, and and like seeing her in that situation where where she's kind of furthering along the command track and something different than what you usually know her for, I think is is great. And I always like seeing that. And we've heard Richard's opinion on this before. <laughs> Well, okay, so here's the guess. So, hey, uh, so you know, after thinking about it again, you know, yeah, I've said it before. I think I said it twice now. I really wish we'd have saw it more often. I really wish we'd have seen it earlier, and I've said that both times. But then again, I think about it this way. So, not saying that she's a deficient officer or anything like that, but I'm just saying maybe 
creating that kind of like where she doesn't I don't want to say do anything like not like it do anything, but like, you know, she has all these episodes where um, basically, you know, she's the counselor and she's not really, you know, doing much of anything. And then it gets to that point where, you know, we're at season, what was it? Season five. You said season five, seven. Right? Oh, seven. seven. That's right. So we get to season seven and she's doing all, she's in a sense, um, stagnant in her job and she's just the counselor or at least that's how she sees it so I guess it adds more weight to it when she wants to do something more with herself and do the commander's test because it adds more weight because she's like she feels like she's like like I said Amy deficient in hard sciences and I can I could see that I mean it, it would be awkward if say for instance she couldn't do the test in like season two or three or something like that. It wouldn't have a greater weight than it did in season seven. That's true. And um, maybe I don't know if that's by, if that was by design or just sheer luck. I don't know. (laughs) But like, I mean, regardless, it was a great story. Wish we'd have seen it a little bit earlier, but then again, I kind of don't because it adds that weight to it um, for, uh, for her. So, but it's a great pick uh, for sure. And hopefully you didn't get, you didn't have to kill anyone in your test, Amy, <laughs> <laughs> or get someone killed. I should yeah, say. no, no. <laughs> well, and I just I think it's so such a good example of like you're saying her trying to continue and that the weight of it because we saw her so much as just the counselor and you know as lieutenant commander, it it would be something similar as like Worf trying to learn social sciences and counseling it's like so out of his wheelhouse and she steps up and wants to learn more i just think that's so admirable i think it's it's not go ahead go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i think it's a little bit different though because i think that counseling is kind of this specialty in addition to your starfleet academy training whereas in starfleet academy you presumably get some kind of training about a command situation or what you need to do if you're an officer and you need to take over on the bridge or something. So I think it's a little bit different because that's not something Worf would have had like any real experience with before, I think. So Well if his specialty is you know, uh what's his job title again? <laughs> well he's the security chief. Yeah, security of- chief, you know, it's like, well he's learning all about security and, you know, I, I sort of lump that interrogation sort of like Odo you know just doing that that's his realm and doing something outside of his realm yeah I'm sure that Worf has had you know psychology probably a cultural bias too of Klingons against counseling right (laughs) but I would love to be in in an office with a counselor uh, that's Klingon right (laughs) I would love to be in that office (laughs) well I guess we get a little bit of Esri because she her Dax knows Is, so much about Klingon. Yeah. It's yeah. It's different. May, yeah, it's yeah. different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just to add on to that, you know, um, just a little bit more. <laughs> not saying not not saying that, you know, you know, obviously the the talks about whenever anyone really talks I mean, like, you know, not everyone, but you know, there is someone. There's someone that talks about Troy that she doesn't do anything. Maybe that's that was a good thing. 
as it, and I know she's not. She didn't do anything. I'm not. I'm just saying. You know, that's that's what that's what it's always. So that's what this whole episode great. is about. She does stuff, but <laughs> I, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But so what I'm saying general... is general generalizing that yeah. from seasons one through six that she doesn't do anything, do mm-hmm. anything, quote unquote. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. But with that, and now that she now that she's doing this commander's test, that you know. Like I said, it, it adds more to the stagnation of her job. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, she wants more and she and maybe in her own mind in this episode that she doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not talking about like the counseling world. I'm talking about everything else right. yeah. outside, well, her, outside of her peripherals. And think about this. So she gets a promotion to full commander and meantime, Riker has been stagnating for years and will continue to do so for, you know, another eight years. So right. true. Yeah. I, th- I so think maybe he maybe it's a kick in the butt for him too. Yeah, eight years later to become a yeah. captain. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting because people talk a little bit about how Riker stagnates. Well, and maybe there could be more, but they don't. I think tend to talk as much about like, well, Riker didn't have anything to do, <laughs> as much as saying that about Troy. But it, it goes on, goes with the saying, you know, you know, if you don't keep yourself, if you don't keep yourself hungry, you're never going to achieve any more than what you have. And especially in that's how most people get stagnant in their own careers. If you don't, if you don't strive for more, then you lose that drive. And I mean, it's true. It really is. (laughs) There's a whole whole other discussion we could have about that because I'm actually, well, but it's relevant to, you know, being a Lieutenant commander and actually Mm -hmm. what's the point of being a commander when, you know, I'm pretty much going to be basically do the same thing, but I get to do the night shift. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Okay. So, Guys, super awesome picks. Um, do we have any honorable mentions? And the answer is yes. Yes. Uh, well, no, because I left them all for you. Okay. So, <laughs> Richard, do, do you have any, really? I don't. Okay. I don't. Then Richard's I, I, I did. First. I stopped at three. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard's okay. first honorable mention. I'm sure he <laughs> wanted to talk about Face of the Enemy, Season 6, Episode 14. And this is, of course, yep. where Troy is the Romulan, Major Recall. and The uh, most obvious thing for Badass. Yeah. But we, exactly. we wanted to focus we on the other stuff. And the episode without <laughs> mentioning Face of the Enemy and how amazing she is and taking control and threatening to have this Romulan go at the air shaft i mean just that's totally no, you are going awesome. to listen to me i mean it's so so yes <laughs> so powerful like that is i think when you think of a typical badass moment that would be you know right there top of the cake i'm sure richard that yep. was your honorable mention uh, yeah that was it that was it mm-hmm. it was mine i did actually have it as first but i thought you might <laughs> oh. have it. yeah <laughs> very good mm. all right justin Oh, you're not just going to go through your list? Okay, but I do have a few. <laughs> no, we're going to go through. I was, okay, all know. right. So another one that I love is in A Fistful of Datas in season mm-hmm. six, where Troy is Durango. She just has this really great like persona of, of you know, this, this I don't know, just like this this great gunslinger and just like totally confident and all of that. And and I just, I love it for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, because you see Troy having so much fun with this other role that's so different than than what she is. And also because it's not something you see as much in, in a, you know, a typical Western, like, you know, a woman who's, you know, toting a gun and is really confident and all that stuff. So 
that that's one that that I love, and it seems like Marina Sirtis loves like doing the role too. It's just fun. It's different. Yes, and I thanks to Richard have the Durango Diana Troy doll figurine. Oh. Did I give you that? Oh, yes, I did you give you did. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's oh, right. Man, and you probably don't have it in your hotel room to show us, but no, no. no. <laughs> I thought I you. I thought you were going to say I have my Durango hat. <laughs> 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 yep. So I have the Troy figurine and it just oh, makes me smile because, yeah, Marina does. She's talked about it, that she loved playing Durango and and she is awesome. And yeah, it's such a great character moment for her. Very good. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Huh. That's cool. Well, good. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Actually, I'm going to have to go back to that story again because... Uh, supposedly they actually restocked and um, brought another store's inventory Ooh. into that store. So I'm gonna have to look. And there was a lot more Star Trek um, toys that were there cool. last time I checked. So I'll have to do that. I'll have awesome. to go back there again. Very yeah. good. Nice. All right. So for my first honorable mention, um, I really couldn't let this episode pass without mentioning The Child, season two, episode one. Um. I think it's completely badass of her as they are discussing what are they going to do with this uh, being that is growing inside of her, this child. And, you know, she just basically looks at all of the men sitting at the table and says, do what you must, but I am having this child. And no one argues with her. They accept her decision, which is good on their part, but good for her to stand up and, you know, say what is best for her and what she is going to do. And again, it could be very intimidating to say that to your commanding officers and a bunch of men in a circle there, um, but she just stands up and does what is best. And Marina has talked about this episode as you know, because at the end of season one, they were needing, wanting to get rid of a female uh, character on the show. Um, and so she was just so nervous, nervous. And then season two, the first episode is a Troy centered episode. And she just loved the fact that it was that. So uh, I really think that that is a great moment for Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, although, as I've said before, I think it's one of those moments that feels very out of place on the next generation that they wouldn't just ask her in the first place but mm-hmm. it is good the situation that the writers have put her in that that she kind of stands up for that and she's like this is my decision and that's just how it's how it's going to be end of discussion mm-hmm. so yeah 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 that she yeah stands up for herself so it's pretty good all right uh richard do you have an honorable mention <laughs> I don't know. Do, uh, do I? Yes, you do. <laughs> and <laughs> Richard's second honorable mention is in Generations. <laughs> we talked oh. about it. But yes, Troy taking over the helm and saving every life on the D as it crashes down to the planet, including Spot Data's cat. That this feels is like the definitely... greatest hits of our Troy discussions. <laughs> 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 but that is pretty badass. She stays at her post even when people are flying around and she just goes in, steps in, and does what she needs to. I mean, definitely. I, I agree. 
I mean, yeah, we talked about it, but <laughs> I just didn't want the episode to end without. Yeah, it is. I mean, that. like, come on, counseling, command, helm, yeah. interrogation. There's so many things she can do. <laughs> yeah. All right, Justin, you have another honorable mention. I do. I mean, it's okay. also one we've talked about before, but. I, I love her in, in Disaster because she's thrown into this situation you know, in season five where she is the ranking officer on the bridge and she's there with O'Brien and with Roe and she has to make these really difficult life or death decisions and she has to kind of balance some of the opposing viewpoints that O'Brien and Roe have. And it's it's I think it's just it's great the the way that she kind of steps into that. I mean, I think at first it seems a little odd that she's so like unprepared for it, but but I think she really gets into it and she does everything she can to to save the ship and make the right decisions and give the people that are, you know, in the other part of the ship every chance that mm-hmm. they're going to survive. So I I I love that a lot and she does it with <laughs> without much notice or preparation it seems like and she does really well. Yeah, that is a great, great moment. And yeah, she definitely knows uh, the crew, probably after doing all those crew evaluations, and yeah, really wants to give engineering every chance and has faith that they are going to come through and trust that and then acts upon that trust and faith. That's So you're saying she's done powerful. the crew evaluations so she knows like, O'Brien's oh, going to argue with me about this. Exactly. Rose's not going to like that, <laughs> you know, or Rose's going to do something I didn't ask her for to dump electricity on the bridge, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. From those crew evaluations, they'd probably know a lot about the people that they're serving with. Yeah. Well, for my honorable mention, I didn't want the episode to go by without even talking about her counseling skills. So I wanted to bring up just one of the many counseling uh, things that she does. And that is in Skin of Evil, Evil Season 1, mm. Episode 22, where she has to deal with Armis. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I think her powers are really well used uh, when she's talking with Armis and how she figures out uh, when Armis is vulnerable, when he's feeling his emotions. I mean, just right up her alley and she's able to get Armis to feel his loneliness and his hatred and, you know, everything that was dumped on him and how he was created. Um, I think it really adds to the episode that she's able to figure that out, use her empathic powers, use her psychological training um, to, you know, finally get Armis and get her to escape and I mean, although we do lose Tasha Yar, um, but I think it's a great example of her using her profession and the field that she studied in. And it's interesting because she's she's using that profession, but she's also walking this fine line because she doesn't want to die. <laughs> like yeah. she doesn't want Armis to kill her. So she's walking this fine line of trying to survive, but also trying to get out just enough so that the crew can have some kind of advantage. I think she doesn't quite know what they're going to do, but it's like, let me just work this and see if it can give them some advantage if he gets too angry or distracted or whatever. And that's what ends up really helping out. So, Well, and imagine because of her, she's empathic, like she's feeling those emotions. So even under this amazing stress and this onslaught of feeling that she's picking up from Armis, like she's still able to do her job and and do it Mm -hmm. well. 
Yeah, and it's probably some of the most intense emotions she's ever had to, exactly. to feel through her empathy. So yeah, yeah. And she does a great job with that. Yeah, and we get to see that season one. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. I have Justin, another one. do you have any more? I do. Like as Actually, as you were talking about it, so, I mean, I think another really great episode for her counseling, let's dip into the third Voyager episode, Pathfinder, because she does such an amazing job of counseling Barclay during that episode, and it's probably, possibly the most in-depth that you see her counseling skills anywhere that she appears in, in Star Trek, because that's what it starts out with. He's going through this difficult situation. She's encouraging him to tell his story, which he might not feel comfortable with a lot of counselors or other people, but because they've known each other, he's comfortable with doing that. And she kind of takes him through it step by step and helps to really affect his decision making toward the right outcome. So I, I, I love what we see of her her counseling in in that. And I think it's pretty badass the way that she does it. And and there's all of this this stuff that, that's on the line in Voyager, so... Why not? Yeah. We'll pick from all three Voyager episodes. Yes, excellent. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> all right. Well, Richard, what are your final thoughts about these badass Troy moments that we've discussed? Well, like I said, you know, it's um, it was, I mean, it was difficult because of the con- time constraint that I put myself in because it, it is the holidays. But um, I knew there were quite a bit. Um, it's a lot more than Jordy. Um, <laughs> or at least Sorry, for me, Jordy. it was. Sorry, Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, um, yeah. It, I, I mean, I like, I like doing this episode. Plus, it makes Amy smile. I mean, you should see the smile on her face. <laughs> She's loving it's every like, second. <laughs> it, it, it looks like the Joker or something like that. You know, it's so big. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's great to see. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I I make my jokes with her, and of course, I always will. But you know, it's. It's, she's always been an integral and important part of the series, and you know, obviously, she's that emotional piece that you know we always need as well. So, it, yeah, I really, I really do. Um, I mean, lo- uh, lo- look at, I mean, looking through the entire seven seasons and also the three episodes of Voyager, um, you know, it's 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 great to know that she can hold her own and um, be badass in her own way. So excellent, yeah. Justin. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think as listeners can probably tell from how I've talked about it before, I, I think Troy's a great character and really gets underappreciated. So any opportunity we get to pull that to the forefront and to talk about Troy for an episode is great. So I've loved doing these these badass um, moments episodes. It's great that we finally get you here for one, um, Amy. It was great to talk about Troy. And there's such a range because we talked about counseling. We talked about interrogation. Uh, we've talked about command training. We've talked about snap decisions to save people's lives. And we've talked about her kind of reinforcing to Riker your place is on the bridge when he's in command. So I think it, it ends up getting really well-rounded. I mean, we even got to talk about Voyager episodes. I totally didn't expect you guys to talk about these are the voyages from Enterprise, but we could have, maybe. No, okay, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but I think it's great that that you had that expansion of Troy also in Voyager. I think what's interesting is we didn't mention anything from the movies. I thought we might. We did um, Generations. Yeah, Generations. Oh, there was, from, oh, there was that one the from The honorable mention. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just so many picks on this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, but okay, we dipped a little bit into the movies. So so it was, a, I think, a good cross-section of of really great moments and I probably could have picked out quite a few more because I think 
Like if you look across the 170 something episodes, you know, it's not every episode where there's a great Troy moment, but I think there's enough that there's actually a lot there and a lot more than people might think. So, you know, maybe when you're doing your rewatch of The Next Generation, listeners just pay attention to what Troy is doing in each episode. And I think you might find there's a lot there that's that's badass and that's really great and really very much to appreciate and points to the potential if she had been used even more. I mean, imagine if Troy got as much development or was used as much as like Picard or Data. I mean, that would have been really interesting to see. So I'm glad we had this discussion. And just keep in mind that when you're watching these episodes, you tell Amy so she can smile big every yeah. time. Oh, Amy, there's this great Troy moment. Let me tell you about it. Amy would love I to I totally that. love that when people tag me like on Facebook or Twitter and they're like, this would make Amy happy. And it does, guys, it does. I, I wonder if there's a moment in time that she ever didn't smile with Troy. Hmm. Yeah, did you like, do you remember, did you like Troy from the first, like the first time that you saw her? I think she was most relatable to me. Um, I mean, because I didn't, when I first started watching, um, it was after Tasha. So really the two main women were Beverly Crusher and Counselor Troy. And if you look at it, I I think Troy has more screen time than Beverly and has more stories. I think you're yeah. probably right about that, a little bit more. And so did so, you, did you yeah, start watching? Yeah, I saw her on the bridge and... You know, so she just was relatable. And I, well, like I said, my master's is in uh, counseling. So, you know, I sort of already had that innate in me. So I just was drawn to her from the get-go. Yeah, you would be Troy in the future. Yeah. (laughs) Who also has a side gig teaching math, maybe? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who has that incredible hair. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Better than uh, Mrs. O'Brien teaching school but i will save that for another Mm. discussion (laughs) i know how you feel about that (laughs) so i i just i as you know listeners i absolutely love talking about troy and it was funny as we were going through it's like well we talked about this in another episode and previously on earl gray and it's like yeah that's because i always bring up troy whenever we talk about anything so (laughs) it's true but there was a good number we hadn't talked about before i think specifically but yeah there are other things where we've brought it up before and i think it's because you know you love troy and i I love her as well and it's important to highlight (laughs) what you usually don't hear about yeah and and you're right we were able to bring out not just her counseling and and we did get to that but yeah all of her other skills and abilities and you know, amazing contributions that she makes to the Enterprise D. Um, This has just been so fun and to really get the expanse of how she was used and uh, talk a little bit about the potential of what we wish we could have seen that she was uh, used on the show. Um, She, I think, is great. I love Marina Sirtis as a person and Deanna Troy as a character. Um, And... We will just, as I will continue to do, talk about those Troy moments wherever I can. <laughs> I hope you do. I don't think we've gotten any complaints, so it's it's. All oh welcome. man, when I first, when Richard and I first came on, I was mentioning Troy every episode. Well, as I, you know, tend to do. Oh, my friends were giving me a hard time. Um, really? Tim Robertson, that's you. Um, they, <laughs> did you 
talk about Troy again? Why are you always talking about Troy? You know, and you guys give me a hard time about it, but hey, I can take it and bring it on because okay. she's just that good. And, and, and I would like to remind Amy uh, that I can't even tell you how many times, how hard Lee and I rolled our eyes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we just knew it. Well, really. You know, we just, just, just repeat the last episode. <laughs> No, but it's fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a more <laughs> balanced point of view now. <laughs> no, she knew that. She knew yeah. that. <laughs> All right. So next week, Justin, what are we going to be talking about? Well, it's the moment that we've all been waiting for, especially you, Richard. Favorite character moments from Insurrection, the movie that does exist and will definitely exist for next episode. <laughs> Come on. It's not, a, it's not a bad movie. It's not my favorite, but... It's somebody's favorite. It I'll is. save it for next week. I'll save it for next week. It is week. somebody's favorite, so yeah, we will but keep this, that this will be in the mind. Challenge, Richard. You need to come up with three moments and maybe some honorable mentions and see what you find. I could think of three. The no, beginning, but- the end, <laughs> and the credits. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. Okay. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll, I, I, regardless, I'll find, I'm sure yeah. I'll find three. Yeah. But I mean, sure. the characters there really do. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I like seeing what I can find out. I mean, last time there was First Contact and I had a ton of moments because it's my favorite movie. Generations yeah. is my favorite, but I think we found a lot of great we stuff. Did. We'll find great stuff with Yeah, focus too. on the character, not the story. See? I think I'll watch it on my 1080p uh, TV. Oh, <laughs> Okay, and, and, and you'll tell us how great it looks. My favorite yeah, character okay. moment was how it looked on the screen. My second favorite moment is how it sounded. <laughs> and when it ended... <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. I like that. Okay. But listeners, please tune in because we'll have more than that. (laughs) Yes. Well, it has been so much fun talking about our favorite badass Troy moments. But that isn't the only thing. Unfortunately, we really could just talk about Troy, but it isn't. We've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the 602 Club. But it's the moment, literally the moment that Halle Berry opens her mouth that the dialogue in this film goes completely south because every single thing that she and Bond say from that point is a pun to each other. Yeah. Earl Grey. I I do wonder if a bunch of them were holographic because we know part Mm. of that room is holographic, but at the same (laughs) time... Bruce can't believe we're talking about holographic cats. Is that holographic it? cats? There's a holographic iguana in Voyager. <laughs> but my other theory, of course, is he has so many cats at this time because if you take my earlier theory about there being multiple spots, Gaina doesn't have a lot of luck with cats, so he's just you oh, know no. he's, he's got like ten of them. Because so wait, are you saying that all the cats in his Cambridge place are all named Spot? <laughs> well i am now <laughs> he's like jordy welcome to my place oh don't sit on the spot oh and spots over there on the mantle oh and there's another spot over there my place is filled with spots <laughs> data's cats are like the queue it's just the spot continuum they're all called spot the edge a star trek discovery podcast and i decided every week for the rest of the run of Discovery, I would dedicate myself to not only that show, but also to giving back to the fans, to 
some extent in any way I, I could uh, with these episode posters. Warp 5. Okay, so Frankenstein kills a couple people. Mm-hmm. Right? Kills an old man, kills an old woman, scares a bunch of people, goes on the run, scares some girl guides. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Girl Scout guides. Yep. Girl Scout guides mm-hmm. takes her cookies. <laughs> yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Yeah, so now that we've come back from that clip of all Troy moments, right? No, it probably isn't. (laughs) (laughs) So please, listeners, check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's show, especially this show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it will come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. Also, if we don't get at least one email about how much people love Troy, Amy will be disappointed. So please send no, that. No, don't, don't send that. I'm never going to get a ton of emails now. <laughs> and next week, we'll be reading all of the emails. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Postcards about Troy. Yeah. Oh, yes. I need to start that. No, no joke. Amy is more enthusiastic about this topic than anything I've ever seen that we've done. So... Well, you can also find the network on Twitter at Trek FM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. So be sure to send all your Troy love to Amy there, right? Yes. I want to see if we... Just there. (laughs) (laughs) And emails. It's okay. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not having your life saved by Troy's quick decisions? I don't know, man. Uh, getting that band ripped off me and just staying in in time limbo. I don't know. How did that feel? Did that feel weird? It probably felt a little weird. Yeah. It, well, time would be so, a little slow. So I, so in a sense, I'd be tortured for that few, few oh, seconds. Oh, don't say it that no, way. No, you're not tortured. <laughs> I mean, it's, the time is moving so incredibly slow. You wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. But I would still feel the pain. Mm. You're feeling the convulsions, but then it would stop. And then you'd be woken mm. up or it would go back and forward. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, when you're what, not doing that. When you're not doing when that. When I'm not doing, doing that. When I'm not in agony <laughs> or getting the agonizer. <laughs> uh, you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And I am also on Twitter. Uh, you, uh, my handle is xransom. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not reminding Will Riker that when he is in command, his place is on the bridge? On the bridge it is, yes. Uh, and on the bridge in my heart for Troy. Oh. Here, 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 here you go, here you go. <laughs> there goes the eye roll. Sure there went the eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find me here on the network. I don't always talk about Troy. 
And uh, I, but I do talk discovery, and that is the Edge with Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me in the Babel Conference on Facebook, my favorite place. And looking forward to everyone's comments when this episode drops. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not being impressed by Troy's interrogation skills? Well, you know, based on what we saw in that Voyager episode, maybe we can have a new series, Star Trek Troy, The Interrogation Files. Yes. <laughs> Just all about her badass interrogations. Love maybe it. not. But I think, Amy, you know, you do host The Edge about Discovery. I think if somehow they put in a plot line where Troy could time travel back to the time of, of Discovery, I think you would you would pass out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, when I'm not thinking about those things, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my season six rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And if you'd like to hear more about Troy, come on, become a patron. Yeah, then you can just have a direct line to talk with Amy about Troy. Yes. That's a benefit. No, we're not promising that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know. Richard's like, Troy this week, insurrection next week. When are oh. we going to get to something I want to talk about? What's next, <laughs> Wesley? Poor Richard. <laughs> we will. We will. We're going to get to a topic that you're going to love soon, I think. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, when is he? Anyway, um, <laughs> well, we'd like to take our this opportunity to recognize our current associate counselors. Mm-hmm. Norma Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, and thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time. I'm sorry we have to leave you, but you can join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Try me. Don't forget to tag Amy. Great joy and gratitude. Gratitude.